looking at? I'm father. I, I say I'm fathery, and uh, this hair is a text trek, but it is also drawn to trek. Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vendorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, move. Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 260th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek, old and new, and uh, tonight is also going to be the, what are we on now, the 16th, I believe, the 16th installment of Drawn to Trek. So, uh, unfortunately, the the host of Drawn to Trek, uh, Aaron Harvey, is unable to be here. Uh, He's feeling a bit under the weather uh, last minute and is unable to make it, so we hope he gets to feeling better soon. Uh, We were also going to have our friend Jessie Jinder on the show tonight, and she's having some internet connectivity issues uh, but that's okay we still have a, a fun show in store because i have a lot to say about this episode uh, i had a pretty good time with it and i know my live audience is already uh, chatting away for those joining us live so i'm going to be relying on on y'all for some someone to bounce off of uh, my ideas and just kind of uh share some of your own opinions and we can maybe read some more comments than than typical. Uh, I do have my friend uh, Sohel is on the way that the text Trek audience should be very well familiar with. Drawn to Trek people. Y'all should subscribe to Starfleet Sohel on YouTube. He's an awesome dude. Uh, literally one of my favorite people in the world and makes uh, a lot of delightful content. Uh, but uh, tonight we will be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 4, Something Borrowed, Something Green, written by Grace Parajani and directed by Bob Suarez. And before we get into the, the, the topic, into the meat of the of the, the subject of tonight's show and, and, and discuss this uh, episode and, you know, get all into that Orion, the Orion lore that we have now. They put so much Orionness in this one little short half hour episode. Uh, I, I can't wait to delve into that with y'all. But uh, first thing first, I have to say thank you to the Text Trek Patreon supporters. I'll uh, list y'all out in the credits at the end of the show. But it really means a lot to me when y'all are able to chip in a little bit each month and uh, help us cover the expenses of doing a weekly live show. Uh, So to uh, celebrate, we'll be watching something in the Patreon uh, watch party on October 14th. We do one of those every month where we get together and watch Star Trek episodes. You can come into the Text Trek Patreon at whatever uh, level you, you're, you're able to help with, but it, uh, as little as $2 a month will get you into the monthly watch parties. If you can afford to be more generous, there's other perks as well, but $2 a month, you can come to our watch parties. We just had a really fun one in September watching some animated series episodes for the 50th anniversary of the animated series. In October, I'd like to do something spooky, but I got to check and make sure if, if there's a bridge crew patron uh, birthday in that month, that'll they'll, they'll get to pick. 
Um, so I, I need I need to clear that. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious. Uh, patrons, let me know what are some of some of the good like scary episodes that might be fun ones to do. I know one year we did. I guess last year we did Thaw, the uh, the scary clown episode of Voyager. I know a lot of people really dig that one. It seems to it's gotten like a lot more respect in recent years. I, I think like in the '90s, some people thought it was kind of you know silly and annoying and maybe campy um but it seems like a lot of people enjoy it now so i I like seeing it get a a glow up like that i can't remember last week did i did i bring up in like the news section of the show did i mention that there is going to be a release of star trek strange new world season two on 4k blu-ray disc in december i can't remember if i mentioned that last week but if i if i forgot uh i I need to mention it now because uh, i'm really excited about that. that that's rare for tv shows to get a 4k physical media release it's extremely rare i was uh, happy that they did that for the strange new world season one it's the only star trek blu-ray that i bought the the steel book version of i normally buy the 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 cheap blu-ray version but i always buy these because i want them to keep putting out star trek on disc especially with what happened with prodigy that could happen to any star trek show you know it's if you want to have constant access to star trek then the only way to ensure that is to make sure that you get physical copies of this stuff and some tv shows don't get any physical media release i know i'm sorry if y'all have heard me get on this soapbox before i i know i'm I'm preaching to the choir with some of y'all who also if you're not buying the physical media then like i know that you get like the the digital copies that you buy either through apple or amazon or wherever but uh but yeah like as long as we're buying the stuff then they're they're going to have incentive to keep putting it out so uh, i'm happy to see that and i encourage people to you know continue to to support strange new worlds on physical media and maybe they'll continue to to keep putting it putting it out there for us i don't know i don't think there's really like much else news to talk about though is there um i don't I don't see anyone in the live audience bringing anything up i do see some suggestions for cat's paw uh so joel i see you asking for that you know cat's paw it's it, it was designed to be a halloween episode but is it a, like is it a there's so many good episodes of the original series like is that one that we really want to watch i mean like i don't it's not even like it's not like bad in a way that's like you know laughably bad like you know it's not like you can kind of have fun making fun of it or at least like I don't it doesn't I don't really have like a ton of fun watching it but I I don't know if, if other people might have different opinions so maybe I just need to watch it with the right crowd and I I'll my eyes will be open and I'll I'll come away with a new appreciation of Cat's Paw. So if if that's all we got as far as uh news and the housekeeping and stuff go then I guess I'll go ahead and start talking about something borrowed, something green. But I'll recap it for everyone just by reading the official synopsis, and then I'll kind of expand on that with spoilers to refresh it. But the official synopsis reads, Tendi is summoned back to Orion for a wedding. So pretty straightforward. But uh, but yeah, Tindy is called home. She's reluctant to go. Uh, she kind of doesn't want her friends to see that side of her personality, that side of her history, that side of her family, whatever. Um, but Talyn and Mariner are really gung-ho to go because as us fans have never got to visit Orion, it turns out not many people in the Star Trek universe have gotten to visit Orion. And yeah, it's people in the universe also don't know much about this race, even though they've been around since the first episode of Star Trek ever shot. So... Uh, they uh, do join her and they end up having a good time and they're actually supportive to Tindy and she benefits from having them around and they're good friends and they find out that Tindy's sister had been kidnapped before the wedding or so everyone thought. It's a typical Orion tradition. However, in this case, 
to Erica, the sister, ran away on purpose because she didn't feel like she could live up to being the prime sister, the 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 or the prime daughter, the daughter that was trained to be the Orion assassin badass. We find out that Tindy was trained to be this Orion assassin badass. She didn't want to do that. She wanted to go be a science nerd in Starfleet. She went to go be a science nerd in Starfleet. Little sister has imposter syndrome, feels like she can't live up to big sister. However, it turns out like, oh, Tindy left knowing that Erica would be even better at that assassin stuff than her. And hey, you're actually, you actually are the big badass. And everyone's like, yeah, like you totally just like kicked the shit out of all of us. You're super cool. You're going to be awesome at this Orion assassin business. And she goes through with the uh, the wedding and uh, continuing her life on Orion, living her dream of being the prime daughter. So... And, and now I see in the live audience, Jill47 is saying she votes for Impoc Noor, which is kind of a scary episode. Uh, that's the one where Garrick is going crazy on the other Cardassian station. It's not really like Halloween-y to me. Like, it's not like there's nothing. It doesn't have like a I, I kind of want something like a little spookier, you know. But uh, again, that's just me. Maybe other people uh, would would want that. So, uh, but yeah, give me y'all's uh, suggestions. Y'all should also give me your kind of general thoughts on this episode, um, because I'm going to give you all my my opening statement, just kind of explain my broad uh, feelings on this, and then we'll get into the specifics in a moment in the episode breakdown. But just uh, my my overall takeaway on this one, it was a ton of fun. It was delightful, and it was actually a pretty smart episode. Uh, but uh, I have been asking for Orion stuff since... I guess it was 2019 they announced that there would be an Orion character on Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah, Um, it was like that summer when we got like that first image of some of the some of the characters. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. Orions have been around for a long time. We don't know much about them. They were mostly ignored during Berman era Star Trek, but they've started showing up again recently. So this is a great opportunity to have a, have an Orion character. Let's go meet her family. I was thinking like, oh, what if she has like a criminal family? Like her her dad could be like some mafia don or something. Um, and I guess that wasn't too far away from what they ended up doing. But they kind of kept it like matriarchal, like on Enterprise. So they're kind of like taking stuff from that had been mentioned in previous Trek. And they were able to kind of expand on it and kind of think about it. In some ways, kind of clean things up and uh, present things that seemed, uh, you know, like a little iffy before and kind of like make more sense of it now recontextualize it that's what dave would say if he was here that's a that's a dave term but we got to see uh uh so much and tindy has just been a great character from the from the beginning of the show she's been so much fun to watch and grow and the more that we learn about her the more that i the i just care about her it's it's weird like i remember thinking in season one and she's just kind of she seemed like kind of like you know the naive new girl the, the new girl at school because that was our, our point of view character arriving on the ship and she's meeting all these characters for the first time as we're meeting them and then just watching her kind of grow into her role as a, as a medical officer and then as a science officer and saying in season three that she wants to be captain someday and i remember like seeing like veritas where she goes on that black ops mission to romulus and she's able to you know beat the the crap out of these uh romulan soldiers and stuff and i'm thinking like how the hell like this is so silly and now i'm watching i'm like oh no it actually like all like really makes sense and now like i have totally uh new angles to appreciate a uh, uh, tindy on so it's it's, it's uh, really really fun if you're a fan of that character and i uh, also liked the the b story i know it was like really silly but the 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 mark twain uh the the the, the 
twin twains. Uh, th- that cracked me up. It was just so ridiculous and over the top. And I was like, oh my God, are they actually going to be like, hey, maybe if we did, I'll just try to just try to talk to one another and and some foghorn leghorn type accent like this and uh, use a lot of uh, terminology and and what did Boimler call it? Something about homespun analogies or something along those lines. Maybe we'd all just learn to get along just a hair bit better. But uh, no, that's actually ridiculous. <laughs> and so I love like the failure of it. That just that seemed kind of realistic. Like, OK, if, if a couple of goofballs actually tried to execute that, how would it work out? And maybe it would work out like that. So uh, it was it was a fun setup. You know, it was like that lower decks kind of like misdirect that like I don't see it coming. Whenever like I don't see it coming, I love it. It just it really cracked me up. I see Joel is saying uh, Freeman is Twain is peak Twain. <laughs> And Joanne Robertson is saying, it's so hilarious what folks think Southern sounds like. Yeah, uh, Joanne, I know like you're in Tennessee and uh, I'm in Texas. I was just driving through the South not that long ago. I went to uh, Mississippi and I I went through like Arkansas, Tennessee. And then like I came back through Louisiana. And yeah, it's um, it is it is weird. Like other people, uh, I I don't know. I guess there's just like a lot of misconceptions about every part of the country. Probably. I know one thing that I'll, I'll be I'll be personal personal with y'all and say something like I don't think I've ever admitted to this on the show before, but uh, the whole like text trek branding like sometimes I I question like was that even a good idea and uh, Dave came up with it actually I was like Dave's idea I was like oh but why don't we go with text trek and I was like okay yeah like we're in Texas it makes sense and I kind of like you know Texany stuff I like uh, I, I wear like big belt buckles sometimes and uh, I like to cook chili when it in the winter. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I cheer for the Texas Longhorns and college football. But it's like, okay, I'm, I'm also like, I'm not for a lot of other things that Texas is associated with, like, uh, you know, like repressing women's access to reproductive rights and uh, um, uh, slavery, which um, I know there's like a lot of slave states, but I mean, it's like, you know, there, there's like a lot of like bad negative things, but it's actually something that like Noel Wells said, who plays Tindy. So I feel like it's appropriate that I talk about this here now, this week of all weeks. But Noel Wells, I guess, was saying how like a lot of people, I guess, like give her a hard time from for being from Texas. She's from Victoria, Texas. But she said like, you know what? Like at some point, like you just got just like how Tindy had to had to own her Orionness when they went to Deep Space Nine in season three, I guess Noelle Wells had, she had learned like to own her Texasness. And she said like, sometimes she has, yeah, she just did have, have to cowgirl up and, and just like accept that part of herself. And I don't know what the exact context to it was. It sounds like there's a whole story there. I, I'd, I'd love to hear. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I guess I'm going to, you know, there's like good Orions, not all Orions are like, you know, pillaging pirates. Some of them are actually, uh, you know, science nerds like Tindy. So I guess, I guess, uh, not all Texans is what I'm trying to say. I don't know, but, uh, it just seemed, um, it seemed like if I'm ever going to bring that up, it would make sense to do it now. So there you go. But, um, oh, Jill 47, our live audience saying it's not anyone's fault where they are born and raised. And yeah, that's, uh, that's true. I feel like a lot of people know that, but I feel like a lot of other people are just like, I don't know. It's just, um, I guess we all generalize probably way more than we should, and it's hard because we don't always realize when we're doing it. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the episode breakdown. So we'll just start at the uh, the beginning of the episode. You know, we open with the Orion ship, and then we get the setup for the triple threat girls trip. But this uh, this Orion ship at the beginning, you know, we didn't have a teaser last week. Uh, they didn't they didn't give us a uh, mysterious threat blowing someone up. 
So I almost wonder, was this supposed to be the teaser last week? And then they decided like, oh, we should just move the Orion scene to the actual Orion episode. And, you know, it'll it'll connect better because Freeman mentions this later when she says, uh, you know, there was an Orion ship that was destroyed. So I'm wondering, like, did they want that to be an episode three? And then in episode four, they'd have Freeman mention it. And then they're like, oh, people might forget or not know what she was talking about or something. So let's just move it to episode four. Not sure what happened there. I see uh, Joel in the live audience is saying Orion lower deckers have no love for TOS phasers. And uh, Joel, that kind of made me sad, too, when Rissick, the uh, the Orion plagiarist, <laughs> uh, trying to copy other people's ideas. That, that, that line cracked me up. I, that, that made me laugh. Orion plagiarist. But when he tossed that TOS phaser into the trash barrel, at first that made me kind of uh, like, oh, how are you going to disrespect the classic TOS phaser design? But then I thought, like, you know what? People do complain about member berries and Star Trek and fan service and stuff like that. And I've complained about that, too, at times, I must admit. So, honestly, it actually does make sense that a 24th century dude would look at a 120-year-old phaser and be like, yeah, uh, that is trash. I don't want this. Bad loot. It goes in the trash barrel. Makes sense. But uh, Rissick cracked me up. The uh, the the two gals giving him a hard time cracked me up. Orion is very matriarchal. You know, there's like there's uh, more women than than dudes on on the ship. The captain and first officer are both women. So that was kind of a cool way to relend some of that stuff from Bound. And I guess like the advantage of there being so little Orion stuff on screen is that the writers of this episode did have a pretty large degree of freedom, I think, in developing the Orions that they wanted and, and doing a lot of their own world building. Uh, but uh, for people who don't know, who hadn't watched Enterprise, they do kind of establish in that they're like, oh, o- Orion slave girls aren't really slaves. Their their pheromones allow them to control the the male population. And uh, we, we, we see a bit more of that here, but it's kind of a bit more... Um, I, it seems like a bit more like an actual functional society here. And Starfleet Sohel is letting us know his shuttle is docking, so he will be about soon. But yeah, this uh, mysterious threat blows up the Orions, and I don't know, I'm still thinking these people are actually dying. They are being killed. I, the popular fan theory is that they're being transported or they're being stored or maybe they're like digitized or something and we'll see these people again. And I, I won't rule that out. I'll say like that's possible. Um, I kind of don't want that to be the case, but I don't know. Maybe if it was executed, I, I well, I, I would I would get on board with it. I'll just have to wait and see. I don't mind not knowing. I kind of like having a, a slow burn mystery that's going to take a while to reveal itself. But yeah, just like like the like these are like death shrieks when these people scream, and it looks like they're being blasted apart, and the whole ship gets torn apart. So I think they're being killed, and I'm gonna feel like a little cheated. If we're told like, oh, no, they're just all like digitized and copied, like kind of like the Shaxx thing. Like that was supposed to be a joke. If you're not going to play this up as a joke, then I don't know. I don't know if it'll work for me. Could be wrong, though. Just have to wait and see. Uh, But I don't think I have anything else on the Orion ship. So I'm just going to switch to the Cerritos, where we see some of our lower deckers. Uh, the gals are hanging out at work, Tindy and Mariner and Talen. They're done with their work. They got some free time, which is funny because Tindy just said like, oh, yeah, we, we were just at shore leave last week. And I had to to reprogram the biofilters in the transporter to filter out all the, the, the new diseases we brought on board or whatever, which is kind of kind of interesting shore leave, I guess. 
But uh, Freeman shows up, and I, I like this, uh, what up, mom, that Mariner gives her. Because, like, like, we've never seen them have, I guess, kind of just, like, casual, honestly, like, a bit more normal, chill mother-daughter relationship. So, great to see some growth there. And the other thing they've been doing with the two of them, where we're seeing them having similar reactions to things like, uh, you know, boring Romulan spy stuff, or, you know, rolling up their sleeves when they're uh, getting under the hood of a of a million-year-old computer, and stuff like that. So I like seeing like the healthier side of the relationship. And I like seeing the show kind of remind us that they do have a lot in common. I'm wondering if there's gonna be like a mother daughter episode where like the, the two of them, you know, team up for an adventure or something like this, I mean, like a mother daughter girls trip, perhaps I'd like to see it. We'll see if they're building to something with that. Uh, but she does mention here, the Orion ship was destroyed. So Starfleet's trying to, you know, the Federation's trying to be a bit more like diplomatic to, the Orion Syndicate. I guess it's the Syndicate. We don't really know like how the Orion government works, but Tindy says her family's the fifth largest house in the Syndicate. So that would indicate to me that uh, the Syndicate's like the entire body of like the Orion government, which is probably more than just like their their planet. But it's like also like a criminal organization that Quark tried to join in Deep Space Nine. Uh, but it sounds like whatever it is, there's probably like tension with the Federation. Um, but you know they're trying to to get along. So not quite like Cold War level tension, but just, uh, you know, we're just eh, we're just two countries that haven't always gotten along in the past, but we're trying to not have hostilities right now type of situation. I mean, there's clearly, you know, Orions who do come and join Starfleet, which you don't have to be a Federation member species to join Starfleet. We've seen plenty of, of, of you know, examples of that. But it's just it's cool here to when, when Freeman mentions that because it's like, oh, this mysterious threat that's blowing up ships. People are starting to notice these ships being destroyed. So, you know, someone noticed this Orion ship that, that got wiped out. I think we're getting close to, in the trailers, they showed, like, you know, at some point Ransom was like, oh, now they're targeting Federation ships. So, I don't know, them binars, at some point we're going to see, like, a couple of binars that were in the season four trailer get blowed up. And then, uh, we're, we're, I don't know, Badgie, Peanut Hamper, whoever it is, whoever, uh, Section 31, Transporter, Clone, Boimler. We'll find out at some point, but I'm I'm curious. I kind of like having that, though, just, like, having the teaser dedicated every week to, like, that slow burn mysterious threat. I'd be curious what other people think about it, but uh, I see in the live audience, Donna March Marchese says, uh, Sohel, watch out for the mysterious ship. Oh, no, don't say that about our dear sweet Sohel. What if his shuttle on his on his way, uh, he's, you know, he's racing over here to get to the starship Texas, and what if his shuttle is destroyed by the mysterious threat on the way? Donna, that makes me so sad to think about. How how dare you even even suggest that? But no, that's, that's fun. Um, because it is such a rare, you know, treat to go to Orion, obviously, Mariner and Talyn, they're also excited. They want to go along, too. So we get this uh, this fun callback to season two when Tindy and Mariner had the, the girls trip to get the vacation mating post for Dr. Tana. Uh, I like now that we have uh, another lady on the show on the as part of the, the lower deckers with Talyn. It's like, oh, no, we get the triple threat girls trip. So let's uh, talk about Orion and the search for D'Erica. Uh, we get this uh, really cool kind of prodigy-esque, in my opinion, hashtag save Star Trek prodigy, but this really cool sequence of the shuttle arriving at Orion. 
Um, we had a cool shot of of the the planet with some space activity stations and ships, and you can see uh, farm work. And there's some boy on a on a rhino creature working in the field, and uh, Tindy's parents uh, just ridiculously fancy estate. You know, whenever the protostar would land on a planet in Star Trek Prodigy. They would always uh, do these these long uh, ship landing sequences. It's also like a little Star Wars-y. It almost like you kind of want to hear like some John Williams music when you see this. And Chris Westlake's score is really good in this episode. Like, I thought it was actually uh, really good here. Uh, kind of like showed off Orion here. And it felt like, oh, here's like an event. We've arrived at Orion, the mysterious pirate planet. Uh, but in the opening, when the uh, Orion ship encounters the mysterious threat, he did like some really cool like Chris Horner kind of, uh, you know, like ship's uh, tension type of, you know, con the Reliant is firing or, you know, Star Trek 3 when like the Bird of Prey cloaks, just kind of like that type of vibe, that James Horner vibe. And and uh, later on in the uh, the fight sequence, in the sword fight, I thought it got like very like TOS kind of uh, mock time type of da-na-na-na-na type of vibe to it, so... Uh, that was uh, also fun to hear. Uh, the uh, the swashbuckling dudes that you think are going to I don't know be piratey like try to uh, try to ask them for their riches or whatever, but they're I guess Tindy's family's servants, and she seems like kind of embarrassed by her wealth, which I suppose like would be uh, would be awkward, you know, if, if your friends hadn't been if if you hadn't brought up the stuff before, they'd probably be like, oh, how come you never mentioned this to us and. Uh, the, the line from Mariner about like, I come from a post scarcity world and even I think this is incredible. That, that kind of stood out to me as like a little weird. If I'm, I know like I'm, I'm heaping a ton of praise on this episode, but uh, here's something I can, I can knock off some points for is I, I just feel like, um, wouldn't pretty much like anyone in the Federation be like post scarcity. And, uh, I know like earth is supposed to be like, especially good in the future, but, um, it just like, yeah, like post scarcity doesn't, doesn't mean like everyone, you know, is like carried around by servants and stuff. I, um, that just, that just seemed like a little, little strange, but we meet her parents, the, uh, warrior queen Shona, very elaborate name, and her husband, Bert, which is basically like, oh, let's make Bert sound like a Star Trek alien, so Bert. Reminded me a bit of, uh, what's his name, uh, Savet in Strange New Worlds, T'Pril's husband, or T'Pring's dad, I guess I should say, but it's just kind of like the Vulcan version of Steve, so here we get Bert. The Orion version of Bert. Bert seems like a chill dude. Again, Orion matriarchy on full display. The warrior queen Shona, clearly the one in charge and the in the marriage. Um, this is where they first mentioned, I guess, the concept of the prime daughter and Tindy being the prime. I thought it was cool that, like, Talyn, when Mariner's like, oh, I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. And Talyn's like, I don't either, but I concur. It's like, oh, Talyn thinks... Being the prime daughter sounds cool. I just I like I like that Talyn's still able to have like so much personality, but they they keep her being Vulcan. But yeah, like she still, you know, she still thinks things are cool. Like she still liked uh, you know being carried around by the hunk that that sweeps her off her feet when they pick up her and Mariner and load them on on the sedan. But we uh, we set up kind of the quest to find the Erica and and get the. The concept across to the audience that the uh, bridal kidnappings are an Orion tradition for weddings. And it can be like a little you know, kind of showy or gaudy. And Joel's pointing out how uh, huge the uh, the gate was. I see uh, Starfleet Sohel is here. So uh, Starfleet Sohel, if you'd like to come on in and uh, say hi to everyone. What a amazing 
privilege it is to be on your show today, Father. Thank you for having <laughs> what, what, me. <laughs> hold, hold your horses. I say, what, what is this we have here? Do, do we have twin twains? We are on, twin twins, and we're going to on on text track slash drawn to track. It is a it is a twin twain twin podcast. <laughs> Computer, begin program. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, father, sorry, I I rushed over here. This like weird craft, almost uh, uh, this came out of nowhere, and it was like shining a white light. And then we were worried. Yeah, and then I we remember worried about you the boosters I installed and I just hit those things and like, didn't even think about it. And oh, it's scary. I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, it's like, did you go plaid like in space balls? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I was listening to you also. I'm pretty caught up. Um, and, uh, yesterday I gave my, uh, opening thoughts and, um, you know, just listening to you talk about this episode, this is also one of my favorite episodes. So I'm excited that I got to hop on with enough time to really get into it. And we're doing the, the scene by scene stuff. So yeah, uh, Jill and our live audience is saying that she wanted to see Talyn and the Chalnoth guy. And that was the alien captain who eats a tree. Uh, but she wanted to see them go on a shuttle trip somewhere, but only if she enters notes about him in her pad. I too would like to see that, Jill. I think that'd be fun to see. That would be fun. So hell, what do you think about? I guess the uh, when we get the Orion mission to go find Erica, and the the first stop is the club Slitthroat. Uh, <laughs> Mariner really liked the name because it shows strength, and uh, uh, Tindy gets them in, and uh, we get uh, you know people are making out, dancing, drinking, throwing knives at Mariner. <laughs> what do you think of this? I loved all of this stuff. I love the gags. Um, I agree with you that I, I about earlier just being on Orion and like the amount of lore we got about Orion. This reminds me a lot about Miami, <laughs> this like space Miami in a way, which arguably huh. is like a pirate's, uh, you know, like a pirate's uh, island, uh, you know, a pirate city, if you will. Uh, definitely the Caribbean's close by. So we, you know, we have that history around here and, and stuff like that. But yeah, this club is just like, if you come to Miami and you go to any club in Miami, uh, it's kind of like this vibe over here in this club. Not just any club. You know, there's like sexier clubs and then there's less sexier clubs. This is a more sexy club. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, what about the Miami Hump Dungeons? We don't, I don't know of any Miami Hump Dungeons, but Mariners. Surely there are. There have to we be. Have, we have Hump Dungeons in Austin, Texas. <laughs> I know that there's some in Miami. <laughs> there's got to, I guess I just, I've never looked up a Hump Dungeon, but I happen to know, I thought it was funny that Mariner says, uh, like on New Seattle, because when I lived in Seattle, I did know there were Hump Dungeons there. And, like, I, I remember there's one famous one uh, called, like, something like Steam steam works or something like that so <laughs> so yeah that's pretty funny but yeah uh i i love this death game that they were playing here in, in oh the party. the murder bug <laughs> drinking game yeah, yeah. well that was cool about that is I'm, i mean these titmouse animators constantly impress me just like it's all visual like you see this game and you know immediately how it works it's like oh you drink the shots but the shot glasses and the little thing so the force field comes up so the murder bug doesn't sting your hand but it's like it's like it doesn't have to be explained to you it's just all conveyed yeah. when you see it yeah it makes 100 so. percent sense the bug is really cool looking uh, yeah, he it looks so cool. frustrated. It looks alien. <laughs> He's so frustrated. I guess, <laughs> like, poor thing. He wanted to murder someone so bad. <laughs> my my frustration with this episode, uh, which I overall loved, but my biggest complaint would probably be that a lot of the Orion stuff I felt was like a bit 
too human. Like all the wedding stuff, it was like, oh, it looks like exactly like a wedding I would go to with like a cake. And, you know, one of the participants is like walked down the aisle and just it was like very, very, very not just like human looking, but also like, oh, like weddings and like, you know, mainstream Western culture of the last hundred years or whatever, like that specific human looking wedding. Uh, but yeah, like stuff like this, it was like, oh, that is like, it's very alien, but it's also like very approachable and easy to understand and what I would expect of the Orions. We didn't get to see much of the wedding part of it, which I'm okay with because I mean, it yeah. looked like it was going to be like pretty similar to like, you know, all the galactic weddings, which all seem a little similar except for Betazoid weddings maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but which is basically just a normal wedding, but you take your clothes <laughs> but off. You're just, but that's yeah. something. It has, <laughs> I, I guess like yeah. the gender role reversal <laughs> is something, but it's not, it's not much. Right. Right. You know, uh, but, but, but I, I'm, I'm glad because like you said earlier, we just got so much of, the Orion landscape and so much more than we've ever learned in the history in the 50 uh, plus years, you know, of Star Trek, we got him in enterprise, but I, I like the way the Orion, I want to, I want more Orions in Star Trek. And, and thinking about it last night, I was like, well, you know what? That's we get like a lot kinda, of them. We get a lot of them now. It's really cool. We have Orions in the 32nd century. We have Orions everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good that we're shifting the focus maybe a little bit and getting to learn more about some of the cameo, species you know, you know of the it, past. It's, it's funny that like rick berman was so anti-orion and anti-endorian endorian that, yeah and then he finally like let them back in in enterprise and the tellerites too and the tellerites came in too but then like since he like allowed them back in we've gotten so much like there's been so many orions and endorians and tellerites and they just like show up all the time now I I have to say thank you to the uh, very generous $10 super chat we just got in our live audience from Joanne. Thank you so much, Joanne. Uh, she says, dilithium money for Sohel's shuttle. Thank, <laughs> thank you for you. that. <laughs> thank you. He's, really he's, the, uh, the, um, he's the emergency streaming hologram. So. <laughs> I think I've used that gag before. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I stole it from you. <laughs> Uh, but we we also see Tindy's, I guess, friend from high school. We learn Madam G, who <laughs> uh, I guess is in charge of Slit Throat, and <laughs> and it, you know she has like a little bit of intel, but not really anything useful. Like all she says is Nyal still loves De Erica, and so Tindy's like, oh, this actually might be something serious because that guy was, you know, really. I guess her sister's ex still really into her. So, uh, but that's all she says. That's all Madeline, Madeline G like never says like, oh, like it was him or I know where, I know where he took her. Like all, all she said was like, he still is like, like it's Tindy. It sounds like you already knew that. So, but she hadn't thought of Niall before this. And yeah, I, so I think it is a good lead. It ended up being a good lead. Cause she's like, oh, of course, um, going back to that previous shot, fathery. Look at how many Orions we have. Like, look at that. Like there's so many Orions. And the hair color. And the you hair know what I was thinking? And the hairstyles. Yeah. Because most Orions always had dark hair, and then we had the the one in 09 had red hair. And, right. But we had never seen an Orion with green hair until Tindy. And I remember our friend uh, Sean Trek on the Tube saying, you know, in the first episode of Lower Decks, uh, he had concerns when it showed uh, the holog hologram program of Orion. And they they all had green hair like Tindy. Ah. Uh. And I said, like, oh, that's just that part of Orion. You know, there's certain continents I can go to here where everyone is going to have the same hair color. Yeah. And maybe green has some kind of, like, significance to Orion's, you know, uh, similar... It means you're from the, the 
fifth wealthiest house. Or, you know, or just like a certain, you know, like strain of, you know, like how the similar, similar how we fetishize blondes, brunettes, blah, mm. blah, you know, like maybe green's the most coveted hair color as far as attractiveness is going, you know, on Orion. So Tendi's got everything going for her, which kind of like adds to, you know, like adds to the whole like uh, her, her background and her past and everything like that. I also loved uh, the the mistress's line of let's do lunch. And then Tendi's like, no, I'm never going to. Oh, yeah, there's her. no way I'm calling her. Yeah, <laughs> it's like really funny. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, I guess the point I was trying to make is like now we get like a, a big diversity of like you know hair color and like even like the yeah. skin colors like different shades of green green did, did you ever watch uh space ghost or space ghost coast to coast on Cartoon i'm very Network? familiar with it i never watched it like uh as a div- i watched it randomly is is what i'm trying to say that dude uh zorak <laughs> the the cricket man on the show yes he would uh he would change color like sometimes he was green sometimes he has more olive sometimes he'd be kind of turquoise looking i feel like these orions there's like a, a one is like a, every shade of zorak is is you know covered by an orion yeah i agree but again, with that. You know, species diversity yep totally did you ever see the the anime movie akira the oh really i love famous akira, yeah. movie from from the 80s there's like a, a sequence in that movie when like the general and the scientist go underground and they're on like this little like elevator lift thing that travels like a 45 degree angle down and i like i see that design show up in other stuff all the time but i think it always like goes back to akira but i think i saw it in batman the animated series recently when i was rewatching that show and it shows up huh. in the halo video games but it looked like the thing they they took to get to the uh get to the hump dungeon it told yeah and that you're 100 <laughs> but you're 100 right that does look like all those reference some i'm familiar with what you're talking about <laughs> that's pretty funny uh, what do you think of the uh the moan heads in the in the hump dungeon <laughs> where they i guess these these orion women make men get high on their their hormones and dance around for them in cages this is one of the things that like Lordex does so well. Like they're able to like you know uh, kind of shine a light on kind of the darker side of things, but keeping it like light in a way, like humorous and stuff like that. You know, and so this is like interesting. Like this is the part of, I think this is kind of getting into the part of Orion society uh, that Tendi's most uh, in in at odds with. You know, like she like she even says to the the, the madam, what, what, what's her name again? Ursula to Ursula is what I call her because she reminds me of uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. But she's even like none of this nonsense sex stuff or whatever. And she's in, like, so, in Greta like, was know, her in Greta. That's right. Is the name. But yeah, I, I also like I, I'm someone like I haven't watched the The Little Mermaid in probably in. 30 years or close to 30 years like i haven't seen it since it was like a a fairly new vhs release from disney but even i was like oh that is ursula from the little mermaid when i when i saw this there's the implication here i don't know how you read it but the madam seems to to capture these people they didn't mind so much because they were like oh we got caught up into in another you know moan oh yeah when they're like oh another hump dungeon yeah Yeah. i mean whatever yeah you know you go out one night on orion you're an orion (laughs) dude you're uh you know you're drinking someone's someone's (laughs) passing around that stuff that uh clint howard got tilly high on and in disco and then your next thing you know it's like it's two days later and you're in the middle of a hump dungeon or like seven days or who knows how long like niall's been there you know it's like but maybe it's keeping him out of trouble because he's also a stalker (laughs) Like well, Tendi says he's a good guy, but I don't. Who are we to judge this culture? You know, it's like, true, like, I agree. like, in Greta tells Talen, like, who are you, Vulcan, to judge me? They always point out how all of the men 
are they're so good looking all the men are are these beautiful honks they never comment i think they're trying to course correct for just decades of like oh those sexy green gals in star trek i guess they're just trying to like course correct on on that and uh and let me just say as far as for me personally this course correction is quite nice <laughs> i i'm i'm sure that uh i hadn't i hadn't thought of that so hell but yeah i'm, I'm sure you've You've enjoyed the, uh, the the chorus correction. <laughs> They're wearing harnesses, which I I have a personal uh, fascination with. Them, I, and... <laughs> I you had mentioned that also. I had not thought of that either. And and I <laughs> the Kirk harness. There's one that's kind of similar to the Kirk. Harness. There's a stuff, there's a few harnesses in Star Trek. Like, I never noticed it until you started pointing it out, and I was like, oh, this does happen a lot. M- more so than anything else I watch. <laughs> <laughs> Niall's got like a thing for a chain. <laughs> yeah, they all have kind of like that like slave collar on and um I don't know, N- Niall's man bun was like I, I, don't know, I thought that was like an interesting choice, but I yeah, but that's what They should know, maybe do that was a, like they do like for them. cabaret or maybe I feel like there's like not cabaret. Yeah, cabaret or like um what's the burlesque performances here? Because that one scene, the madam and and all her her boys behind her, and she's on a swing and stuff like that. It that looks very looked, staged. Yeah, like she rehearses bur- that yeah. entrance. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It looked like a burlesque thing. <laughs> I love that Tendi came prepared with the. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. used her science nerdness. Yeah, she used her cool. her science officer capabilities. But didn't didn't they come up with a compound like this in in Enterprise? Was did Is Fox that right? have a solution in bound? Yeah. How did how did they how did they stop the Orions? My memory's foggy on this one. <laughs> I know it was I can't like remember. maybe the uh, audience can tell us. Trip like Trip loved to Paul so much. They had such like a strong, they had a strong like bond, mental bond, that like he didn't succumb to the Orion pheromones. Ah, uh, that's right. But also, in, it's interesting that these are the folks that Tendi kind of grew up with so we're kind of meeting mm-hmm. Tendi's friends and family even Niall like she's familiar with them in a way and it and and the, sh- the episode really conveyed that like I really felt like uh Talyn and Mariner like I really felt like very fascinated by everything and like ooh ah oh you know like a lot of questions here and there it's like what's going on what does this mean you know like let's pull on this thread see where it goes so yeah it it I hope um I hope we see the Orion homeworld in live action because I'm a sucker Me for too. like seeing it, you know, like, you know, in that way as well. And you know what I would I would just love to see is, you know, how in the other star franchise, especially right now, they're taking a lot of things like characters, places, concepts that were introduced in their animated shows. And right. they're now crossing them over into live action productions. I'd love to see Star Trek do the same thing and, and, and give us some of the the Lower Decks and Prodigy stuff that's being created now. Let let future Star Trek use that stuff in live action. You can see Mike McMahon bringing the show into live action at some point. And they, I mean, they've already had, you know, the show cross into live action before. Right, as, but, yeah, as we've seen. But I want, it, I want that to be a, like a more casual type of occurrence where just like any show could like use, uh, you know, just have like a California... There's no reason why... Uh, Picard season three couldn't have like a California class starship, uh, you know, zipping around in the that, background. Yeah. At least or, at, maybe, know, like maybe that. at the, uh, at least at the fleet museum, you know, there could have been one that's just like, 
you know, like there as an example. There should have been, a, there should have been a, a parliament class, yeah. like the Vancouver. There should yeah. have been a parliament class there, and there should have been a, I don't know, one of the disco season one ships. Pick one. I don't know the 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 Shenzhou, Nimitz, I think. Or, yeah, or the yeah, the Shenzhou, or the Shenzhou, yeah, the Walker yeah. class, whatever. Pick one yeah. of those. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's okay. I mean, like we still have a lot of other live action Star Treks. Like, how cool would it be to see? I think the potential is there to see Orion maybe in discovery in season five or the we've seen a lot of orion's discovery so and that's a very likely place to see or if we don't see it in discovery you know when the academy show airs you know many years from now because you know because of um the situation in hollywood but when the academy show airs there's definitely a possibility i think to see the 32nd century orion which actually would be awesome because now we have like a template of orion now and then later it seems a little bleak though with the emerald chain when they were in charge so you know but now we're post emerald change so we could see a a orion spring if you will (laughs) my my issue with discovery season five is is that like uh, i i like discovery but like i don't care about the 32nd century as much as i do like the 23rd or 24th or 25th now Mm-hmm. Uh, same, my same thing. Like when I watch Voyager, and there's like all this cool stuff in the Delta Quadrant, but I'm like, well, that's over there. That's not like here where the you know the rest of everything is. And that's kind of how I feel about like Discovery when it's like so far in the future. So it's like whatever they do with Orion there won't really be relevant to the rest of the universe. But um, I would still, even that being said, I would still like to see whatever that future version is. I would expect it to be radically different from this. I would. I don't know what it would change into, but if you know that many centuries, it would change into something. Yeah, totally. Jill in the audience uh, says that the Discovery Orions um, didn't have good makeup, in my opinion. They look better in Strange New Worlds. I agree, but yeah. like that's because just the benefit of they had time to like uh, perfect it. Well, that's know? probably so, what yeah. they're. That's probably what they're going to look like in Discovery season five. five. Yeah, exactly. They'll look more like the Strange. It's all every show like you know improves the other show. I kind of love that too about. You know, yeah, it's like they they era, yeah. fixed the uh, I, I say quote unquote they they fixed the Klingon <laughs> makeup for Worf and Picard, and then Strange New Worlds was like, oh, now our Klingons can look like that, not Discovery. Look how good that background is. Yeah, so we we uh we we learn from Nail that like she's just hanging out in the ship graveyard. So the the girls go to the ship graveyard where I guess Tindy and De Erica hung out as children, and there they they see their kind of childhood hangout. And, and Tindy explains that she had like all these dreams of wanting to uh, to grow up and be in Starfleet. Look how cute and she that even, is. Like, <laughs> yeah, she, she she graffitis on the wall, and we see like I guess like she drew like a little crayon drawing of her in Starfleet, and then there's a drawing of De Erica like with a sword, like basically like being the prime daughter, being the Badass Orion assassin lady. This is such a touching drawing because look how happy and free Tendi looks. And it's interesting that she painted herself red. I wonder what that means, but because she wants to be a captain. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. She's Captain Tendi right there. That's so cool. Oh, I love yeah, that's it. Her, that's her dream. Oh, I love it. You just, so, I just got so happy right now. <laughs> she'll get there eventually. What did you think, Sohel, when uh, De Erica showed up? And uh, delivered the the third uh, the third stabbing to to Mariner. So, so two questions: A, what did you think of a Mariner? You know, what are the odds consistently being stabbed in the same spot? And then, what did you think of De Erica's entrance? 
So I, I don't think the odds are very good that that would happen in, in real life. But I think in Star Trek, that's okay. We could probably figure out an algorithm to explain the odds. Or we can just go into the holodeck dressed up as Mark Twain to figure out who's right about this. <laughs> no, I thought that gag was hilarious. I think some folks thought Me it too. went a little thought it went a little too far it, it kind of skirts the line <laughs> but i i laugh at it too and it was just like just mariner's reaction like oh my god what are the odds are you just like yes that is how beckett mariner would react in the situation so i i i don't know i gotta i gotta she i, I gotta get like, on board really? with it i'm sorry and, and she is kind of like what's funny about it is that she's like really again <laughs> she's so frustrated yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, the erica Digger, Erica's really cool and a total badass, as they pointed out. She's like, "Look at that sword, Father! Don't you want a replica of that sword? Like the sword that she has? Yes, because it it, it looks so unlike anything we've seen in Star Trek, but in like a good way. It felt very." I don't know. It's kind of it, it's modern. It's different. It's it's but it's just there's a freshness to it. it to me, like it kind of seems more like something you would see in a video game or an right. anime. You know, it's like exactly it's like Final Fantasy or something like that. But I don't know. I, I like I like that it 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 incorporated well. And I I appreciated uh, uh, this so much because you know I have a younger sibling and I kind of as an older sibling. This this whole dynamic and this conclusion to their like, you know, kind of this, I guess, beef that they've had or she's had like, you know, it makes so much sense because like I, I like just to kind of relate it in a personal manner. But like but I think it's very relatable overall. It's like sometimes the older sibling is just like, oh, I'm going to go off and do this or whatever. Right. And we don't really ask our younger siblings, like, is that OK with you? Or like, you know, how do you feel about it? And like, even though that's what they might want, it's like nice to check in. Right. And so <laughs> I'm the prime. That's right. <laughs> Joel in the live audience is saying Starfleet Soho is the prime. I think I think my sister is the prime out of, out of in your family. Us, but, yeah. Yeah. So it made me think, and I actually went heart to heart with my sister because um, I was like, I, when I moved to Seattle, I never even asked her if that was okay or whatever. And so it was like a really oh, interesting, wow. yeah, it was a really, I just said, I'm doing this. And she was like supportive and everything at the time, but I never checked in. And so this was very touching to me. I actually got like super, you know, emotional about it. But in the case of their relationship here, I just love that. Like, yeah, to Erica's like, yeah, of course I wanted to be prime. It's just that you assumed, you know, like it's like you just kind of like assumed that it was going to be the case and you didn't even like and you haven't even been back. She says like she, all of her things that she's mad about are just loving things like, you know, like things that like she loves your sister and she wants more, you know, like so I thought that was very sweet. And I like that now now Tendi kind of realizes that they do they don't mind at all that she's in Starfleet. Maybe the parents are a little bit more, you know, um about it but like her generation like her her you know kind of circles like all for it but where they're miffed is that like oh yeah you went off and joined starfleet we all it seems like we all supported you in this and then you just don't even call like you're gone you know what i mean like having all these adventures and and not sharing so i i love that little moment here where they connect reconnected and like and now to Erica feels like the prime. Like she, now she feels like she can be the prime. You know, she's got this off her chest. Joel in the live audience is also saying Jesse isn't here. Uh, for anyone who didn't hear earlier, we 
Uh, hope to have Jesse uh, Gender on as as a guest, uh, but she was unable to attend due to some technical reasons. Um, Jesse, I don't know if you if you watch this at some point, but I I, I did get, get your message and I, and I saw that. So also, by the way, that video is amazing. Everyone should go check it out. I saw it; it was very cool. The one Joel's mentioning, uh, but uh, yeah, in in Jesse's uh, review video for this episode, uh, she said that uh, Tindy was assigned assassin at birth. Jesse said that this was kind of similar to her experience as, as a transgender person, which, should, you know, that's not kind of my story to tell. I, I don't want to speak for that community, but I, I understand how, oh, yes, like I can definitely see why uh, Tindy would be a great analog for that. Um, and, and also just myself as someone who does not have uh, that experience, it kind, of, it kind of puts it in a, a way where I can I can lens it and kind of, you know, help understand. And, and something else that Jesse says, like, it's, it's actually a, kind of a kind of experience that a lot of us should be able to relate to because most of us probably at some point we do feel like uh you know the system is forcing us to conform to some in some way you know to go against like our nature and we shouldn't just uh you know betray ourselves to put our trust in the system and just plug in and force ourselves to comply and be whatever the system tells us to be and that, that's for sure at the that, that, that for sure is a message at the heart of the story yeah exactly and and you know i'm not trans either but I have been following Jesse for like such a long time that I really feel, Mm -hmm. you know, I really feel like I understand a lot more than I did like five years ago before I discovered. I've I've learned so much from, from her con and I know it's hard. She puts like a lot of, uh, a lot of, and she gets so, you know, into it. And I I've been, you know, dealing with a lot personally, but whenever I get a chance, like I try to go and like, you know, support her with like something to make her feel good or like give her like something to, cause she gets so much, you know, hate and like stuff like that from all these awful trolls and stuff. So, you know, but she's amazing. And, and I don't know how she does it, but like when you're talking to Jesse gender, it's like, you're the only person in the world and she knows you and loves you. <laughs> like, it's so cool. And she, she does though. She's so genuine. I love, I love her. I don't know how we got on. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry, Jesse, if we're embarrassing you by talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everyone uh, but make yeah. sure that you're uh, you're subscribed to her channel because her her content is is great. But um, there's also a bit of imposter syndrome. I was saying in my my opening statement uh when before you got here, but uh with with to Erica like thinking like, oh I uh, I'm really good at this, but there's no way I could be as good as Devani, and it. You know, it's kind of like she never understood her skill level because, like, she kept comparing herself to, like, you know, however good I am, I'm still not going to be as good as her. And then it's like, it's only like after, like, oh, I did just kind of kick your ass in the sword fight. And then, like, I guess I am cut out to be the prime. And it was, it was fun to see her kind of uh, accept that, that, that role. And then, and then Tindy's science nerd nature is what saves the day at the end when she knew how to hotwire the ship. And Tillin went along with it, even though she's like, when Tindy is like, who wants to hotwire a ship? And then Tillin's like, not me. And then Mariner's like, ah, oh, come on, don't be like that. But I like, I like Mariner doesn't like push back against Tillin's kind of Vulcan prudishness. Like, like Mariner is like, oh, come on, you can have fun with it. Like, like Mariner, I, I, I like seeing like the mariner Tillin interaction. So if we hadn't gotten, we've had Tillin and Tindy, Tillin and Boimler, but we hadn't gotten like Talyn and Mariner, but I, they, they get along better than I would have thought. And I like that. What do you think of that? Same thing. Uh, I think I've said this before, but I'm Talyn's like my favorite newest character. Yeah. Like she's, she's so amazing. Um, she adds such a, a yeah. another way of keeping the show fresh, you know, just yeah. adding and a new character. It, it's kind of like a tradition in Star Trek that a new character comes along, like kind of later in the seasons, you know what I mean? Like Worf and seven of nine were both season four entries. Right. 
so I think that's pretty cool that they're doing that and they brought in Talyn. I hope she's here to stay. Ensign Rowe came in, right? Like, wasn't she like a new, right? Uh, not Ensign Rowe. Uh, yeah, she was Ensign at the time. Mm-hmm. And, but but she's not like, qu- not quite like, Tal- how long did Rowe, Rowe didn't have a whole season, did she? Um, no, Rowe was never in like, she was like in five episode or, of a yeah, season. Yeah, she was like in she's... like a handful. She feels like she's there a lot more just because you're, you know, you yeah. get a lot about the character. There's a lot of when she is there, they do spend it's almost like she's the feature of the episode. And that's kind of like how I see Talyn. But I love I just love her so much. I describe her as my husband because she is she's like my Star Trek husband, my ultimate Star Trek husband, probably. Uh, <laughs> she might replace Garavik. Sorry. <laughs> but her her Talynisms are just to die for. I love all of them. I love what she said. Well, we'll get to that part, but I love um, like here on a right on 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 this part of the story when she's like, you know, Tendi has an unexpected gravitas for someone so excitable. Just things like her little her little lines are just her little jabs are just so funny. And, and when she so throws great. the report out, that <laughs> that's was, right. That's I, such. I, a, I, like I cried. I, I cried. But you know why I love that moment so much is because it's not like. Because it's because it would be the most obvious thing in the world to be like, here is this Vulcan, and she's got a stick up her ass, like to Paul yeah. on Enterprise. But she's going to be on the Cerritos, and these silly lower deckers are going to melt her cold heart, and they're going to win her over, and she's going to get on board with them. And and I'm sure we're going to get a degree of that. But what I love about this is like she doesn't betray herself. She doesn't betray her Vulcanness or her interpretation of how to be a Vulcan, uh, which d- didn't seem to jive in total alignment with what the people on her Vulcan ship wanted, but she's still a very Vulcan person. And her throwing out that report, it wasn't because like, oh, I'm going to betray like my my Vulcan desire to, you know, be scientific and explore and get information. And also she wants to be like a good little Vulcan and get in good graces with the Vulcan high command and get back on a Vulcan ship. That was her whole motivation for going on this trip and everything. But when she throws out the report here, she gives a Vulcan reason for it by falling back on, on ethics and Vulcans are supposed to be these really ethical people and she's like yeah like turning in that report without your consent would be unethical so it's like i love that because it's like oh it like it but it was it was touching but it was like to lynn was able to do like the friendship thing to to tindy but without betraying who she is so it it stays in line with the the theme the larger theme of of the story of be who you are and stuff like yeah exactly like yeah i love that is that the well we'll talk about it i'm sure in the gornex but is that the ship from uh voyager it is Oh, cool! That that's kind of cool too. Then the, the exterior and the interior are both uh, recognizable. Yeah, but uh, we we do get to Erica back to the altar just in the nick of time for the wedding, and uh, it kind of cracked me up too when when the mom uh, Shona, the warrior queen, when she's crying, she's in tears, and she's like, "Oh, look at my special little girls, it's like accomplices." Yeah, it's very cool. I love the uh, officiant and and how they're dressed in like this armor kind of gilded like dress uniform. Type. The designs of the wedding, yeah, they're yeah. they're they're the wardrobe is cool. It's kind of a shame we don't see it on screen longer, but I guess that's what uh you know the all the the freeze frame pictures on uh, Trek Core for. Shall we transition over to the B story with Boimler and Rutherford? Uh, one last thing I just want to say is I really appreciated that like the roles were reversed kind of from what we're used to and that they referred to him as like a radiant uh, like they referred to him as radiant. I, I want to be called radiant and pretty sometimes, too. I think that's good. <laughs> 
if if I am at your wedding, I'll I'll say like, <laughs> doesn't he look so radiant or whatever whatever Mariner says? Like I'll Thank I'll you. say that like verbatim, whatever it is. I will appreciate it so much, Father. <laughs> Thank I'll you. say it super loud so that you can hear it. <laughs> but let's talk about the the B story. So we have the the roommates, uh, Rutherford and Boimler. They're like like best friends that live together, and it starts off great, but then they start having fights. Like who gets to water the bonsai tree? <laughs> what do you think of this i love i've been waiting for this i feel like uh brotherford is my jam i think they are the this is i feel like how you and i or or any one of the combination of like me you or sean or whoever i feel like this is kind of (laughs) like yeah what would we we wouldn't fight over watering the bonsai tree but we would fight over i don't know something like content well me with the 3d cannon isn't it the 3d cannon that you get what is it whatever number of things you know like that we have differences on you know with star trek but then at the end of the day we always come back together and we're you know we're all good friends and everything like that but i've never had a roommate or a housemate uh, you know, I, mean, I like I like living with uh with friends. Like with friends, yeah. When I've when I've had like roommates, I was good friends with. It actually like worked out pretty well for. I don't know. Some people say like don't live with your friends, but I kind of liked it. But I I like I, living yeah. alone. I guess I think it's case by case. There are some friends that sure, I can yeah. think of that I would want to totally live with. You know, like and there's other friends that I'm like, uh, <laughs> maybe not. You know, but so I, I never think... lived alone until I was like 29. I think like it was. Uh, you had you got me beat because I didn't live alone until I was like in my late 30s. So yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah, I loved I it, by the way. I love living alone. <laughs> I did need a, a companion at, for, uh, after a while, so I got a cat, which is Arthur, and that's how Arthur came into my life. I do. I technically but, don't uh, live alone because I have, have Amos, Amos with me. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so yeah. But but yes, this Brotherford thing is something that, you know, I didn't quite like ever like know how, like, you know, uh, Jill points out people are shipping them, but I'm holding out for Tenderford. <laughs> tenderford. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Tenderford <laughs> shipper, but uh, I didn't. I never. I never felt like. Um, I never felt like there was any romantic sparks between the, the two of them. I don't yeah, think that I, was the intention. I think. I. Th- I don't think that was the intention. But there are like fun things that they put in that like are gonna get people to like. It, it's gonna create like a discourse, I guess, because like you know, there's just a lot of, like the linen. Like what was it? The <laughs> like Boy- Boimler's sexuality, I think, is like still up in the air. I think he, I, I think he's like pan or bi, like somewhere around there. You know, like somewhere in that era area. Rutherford seems more, you know, like you know, maybe more interested in Tendi, you know, in a romantic way because he definitely is sweeter. I think to her than he talks to mm-hmm. like the way he talks to Boimler is not the same sweetness. If you know, if you get what I'm saying, is like a romantic sweetness. It's like it's more of like a friendship sweetness. But Boimler, I don't know. Boimler's like, <laughs> you know, Boimler might actually develop a crush on Rutherford. And that would be an actually an interesting thing is that like. Then you'd have a love triangle. So no, but know, like, writers love that. I think they would resolve it very quickly. in yeah, exactly. But I think they would also resolve it very quickly and humorously in Lord X. But I could see that happening. I could see like Rutherford being like, I don't feel that way about you, bestie, but I love you so much. And, you know, like or whatever, you know, and have like that kind of situation or whatever. But uh, personally, I wouldn't mind a ship of uh, Brotherford as far as a romantic thing. I think they could be really cute boyfriends. <laughs> I just don't think that's where the show. I just don't think that's the indication that the show is doing. Would they? Would they continue to do like matching cosplay in the holodeck? I if, think if this they... should be a continuing gag, like where they they say they they're going to dress be, up as like just... a eccentric eccentric historical figures, exactly that are fun to talk like. 
And uh, Father, I propose right here, right now on this episode that uh, at some point when we are at a convention together, that we are also cosplaying at the same as the same character. <laughs> yeah, we could do a. Uh, I don't know. Um, I feel like we have kind of like two very different looks, so it'd be hard to. I mean, I don't know. Accuracy is not everything in cosplay. It but. just depends where the. Yeah, that's true. But but it just depends on like. I think we could do. I think we could both do versions of our favorite captains. Like I I think you know. You love Captain. We, we've Kirk. talked about the the Kirk and Spock one, or Kirk and uh, Picard. In uh, we talked about Kirk, Kirk and Picard. I could easily do Picard because I'm already. Uh, that's bald. what I meant. Kirk, Kirk yeah. and Picard. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe we could do two Kirks and two Picards just to see what. And it, again, it doesn't have to be accurate or whatever. It's like you know, obviously, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, I love this gag so much. Uh, Mark Twain uh, in TNG was one of the funnest things about the Times Arrow. It could have gone really wrong. But they, I feel like they really pulled it off, and I feel like he's like a character that, like, that, like him and Da Vinci are like characters that we like. <laughs> it's like it's so weird to think about them, but like they're characters, right? It so, was uh, it was fun when they they're like they have these all these hostilities and everything, and we don't know like at what point they got resolved. It's just like we just cut back from a commercial break, and all of a sudden like they're getting along because they talk to each other like Mark Twain. I just I just <laughs> love like the silliness of it. It's because Mark Twain spoke in aphorisms, and so aphorisms tend to like, you know, like the what did he say? Aphorism. That's the word I couldn't aphorism. think of earlier. And he's like, he's like, or wrote in aphorisms. He probably spoke him. He he could just throw him out like easily. But like the one, the one, the one here where he's like, when they find, I'm but a crumb on the biscuit of your of your intellect or something. I forget what he says. That it's like, yeah, it's like my my wit is but a crumb upon <laughs> oh. your cracker or something. Yeah, something like so, that upon the biscuit of your wit or something. But yeah, that's what it was. The biscuit of your wit. <laughs> you know, like, it's like so funny. It's like if you give comp compliments to each other like that then you, you just start getting along it clearly worked for them it's what their friendship needed it is not what captain freeman's negotiations needed as, as we see when the uh the alien captain uh kokor uh is, you know he he wants to see, he wants the credit for scanning this nebula he wants it to be him he wants to go back to his people and be like look i got the scans this ain't no <laughs> federation scan that's like way too nuanced and thorough with all this that extra funny, information that we don't need <laughs> like like what <laughs> but it's a very i guess like starfleet thing i guess like not really like poking fun at star trek for being like oh kind of like the nerdy like it's like a cozy future where like the conflict or like people arguing oh, over scanning a, a nebula and but it's like that there is kind of a there's a funness to it a lot of, a lot of the fans i think find a comfort in that so i enjoyed seeing uh captain freeman like standing her ground kind of and he was like you know well he, he basically said like oh are you willing to die for this like to scan this nebula and she's like well she's contemplating <laughs> she's like she's like considering yeah she, she paused <laughs> before she answered so she yeah. had to think i do love the absurd insane place where this gag went <laughs> like this is even better than boimler and rutherford because captain freeman's so uncomfortable <laughs> in the scene and she's like i don't know why i'm doing this and then we're all like why are you doing this 
<laughs> yeah, and then what what made me laugh the most is when it's like it's not working. When they got they got a Kokor has the has the wig on. He's like, why am I wearing this itchy hair hat? You know, like like the wig like it confuses him and pisses him off. It sounds like. And then when Freeman turns to Rutherford and and she's like, Lieutenant, what am I supposed to do? It's like like she like kept the accent when she's asking Rutherford for help. I just like I don't know that just like cracked me up. It's, it's like she's actually trying to do this like ridiculous stupid thing and then of course it doesn't work and of course this guy's pissed off and is trying to get in a fight with Shax and of course Freeman is angry at these dumbass lieutenants and, <laughs> but, but, and then the best part the, the, the PS de resistance on that scene is when they're like now try saying that in a southern accent he gets he gets infuriated he's like I'm from the south he's like that is yeah he's from accent. south Chownoth, so <laughs> that is a southern accent and I just that's why I was just like I lost it it was so funny <laughs> and he looks cool like when he's fighting he shacks cool. and stuff like another advantage of the show being oh, yeah. animation is you know they can make the aliens like a bit more aliens but like did you notice his feet like like he doesn't have like any shoes on like he doesn't fit in his feet don't fit into human <laughs> shoes he just has like these ripped pants when he's in the mark twain cosplay and then you got like these really alien looking like bear type feet <laughs> i still can't stop laughing <laughs> captain freeman like shocked like out of a belly. Like, oh my god, I love, I love this show so much. Were were you also <laughs> shocked when when Kokor yes. ate the ate little yes. bony? I thought yes. that was hilarious. That made me it was kinda obvious like something was about to happen. Like, oh, they made like this big deal about like this tree, and then this guy is gonna come ruin the tree or whatever. But the execution of it was pretty funny. And that's all he needed. Like he's like, Oh, that sated my appetite. Uh, go ahead, scan saying, the nebula. They had just finished saying that it was like their their child. <laughs> and then he, he just eats it <laughs> like, <sighs> and then he he washed it down with their mist that's right <laughs> it's so awful it's so he just like eats it. they were the whole thing with the boiler sorry i'm laughing again like i just can't, i'm losing it again because the whole thing was centered around this bonsai tree like that's how it all started is like who's gonna water it they came up with the odd and even stardate solution <laughs> well like, he solved their uh well i guess they had solved their problem but right, if they hadn't but... worked it out i guess he was gonna come eat this tree so it wasn't gonna be a long-term problem one way or the other <laughs> I just love it. Lower Decks, this is probably one of the best <laughs> the best gags in episodes. Wow. Yeah, it was good. And, you know, like, I wasn't, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. So uh, right. I almost thought, like, the uh, the Mark Twain thing was going to work. And I was just going to be like, this is so silly. But, like, no, like, when, like, it didn't work, work yeah. I was like, oh. And then, like, this dude eats the tree. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, the, the episode ends with them kind of uh, comparing notes. So, like, the girls are talking about the girl trip. The boys are talking about uh, dressing up as Mark Twain and having their bonsai tree devoured. Um, you have the picture of De Erica swinging her husband across the threshold. and That's awesome. Uh, Boimler jealous about when he's like, oh, why would I be jealous about going to a cool secret pirate planet that no one ever gets to see? <laughs> and then we, we, we end with the, the Mozart thing. Now, like, Mozart spoke German. Like, when they're speaking to each other, they're not, like, uh, did you ever see the movie Amadeus? 1984. I love that movie. Yeah, I've seen it a lot of times. Remind me who played Mozart in that? Who was, who uh, was the lead? His name, I believe, is Tom Holtz, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just... Okay, he was really good though. 
Yeah, he's. But really he kind good. of uh, he kind of talked like this. Like, but like, F. When, Murray when, Abraham's in that movie. Did you know? Yeah, that? Yeah, another Star yeah, Trek connection. Oh, Rafu, yeah. uh, that's a widely considered the greatest uh, Star Trek villain of all Star Trek movies, right? Is Ruafu from Star Trek Insurrection. Right. This is the number one favorite in the fandom. Yep, I was right. Tom Holt. <laughs> in real life, Mozart wouldn't have been like, yes, shall we tickle the ivories? He would have been like all, you know, like German. Like however you say that in That's German. That's true. But I do think that like, if I'm not mistaken, um, Tom Holt's... Uh, in that movie is he's british so he he did like i think this is more of a reference to amadeus than it is to mozart and i'm and also like i think it's funny because in general like in every movie whenever you have someone like foreign it doesn't matter like if an english actor is playing them they just do an english accent they don't do like they don't like really change their accent so usually so i think well, it's kind it, of it often like, works you know like if you're if you're playing like a bunch of like roman dudes in the roman empire and, it's you know, like, obviously you yeah, should be speaking English... Latin, Latin, but like, if you're not right. going to do Latin, like, okay, do it in like an English accent. Like, don't like, like, don't be out there. Don't be out there in a Mark Twain accent talking about, <laughs> you know, like the Roman empire and like a Julius Caesar and uh, Mark Antony. By the way, Father, how often do you think about the Roman empire? It's funny because a, a <laughs> woman did ask me that recently, and and I told her I, I I told her I think thrice out of forty eight hours, like three three times out of forty eight hours, I think about the Roman Empire. That's and hilarious. She, what did she say? She was like, "That's insane!" Like apparently, like most dudes think about the Roman Empire a lot, and I was like, oh, "I have no idea." I was like, right before like that went viral. This was just like a week ago or so. That's so funny. I hardly ever think of the Roman Empire. However, I do think of the Takan Empire often. Well, I think about the Takan Empire every 18 minutes. So I was actually about to think about it in about 31 more seconds. I was going to think about the Takan Empire. And we're moving a little ahead of schedule. So with that being said, let me just ask you, Sohel, do you have any final thoughts on this episode you'd like to share before we go into the Gornegg section of the show? Uh, I think I'm going to watch this episode a lot more times before the next one comes out. Um, you know, it was such a fun episode. The biggest thing about it, for me is the Orion lore, you know, like getting more of that Orion, you know, like they gave us more, a lot, a lot of Orion and, and a, a lot to think about. Like there's so much there that like, now I feel like, Oh, we're going to see a lot more interesting kind of like fan fiction. And then maybe even like novels and stuff, by the way, have we seen in beta canon Orion? Like, have we gone there in beta canon? Do you know of any? I'm instances? sure I'm there, there's so, there's so many Trek novels and comics and games yeah. and someone's been there. I couldn't tell you about it, but I, I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> but as far as uh, I, I'm very intrigued, I continue to be intrigued with the um, mystery box, if you will, um, yeah. of this season. Overall, every season of Lower Decks just like gets better and better. But also, I just like I'm getting kind of sad because I look forward. I'm looking Lower Decks just makes me so happy. Like you know, we're we're li you know like we're living in tough times, and this show just makes me crack mm. up, and I love that. Well, so I'm, this episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry to rain on the parade so hell, but oh, I got some sad news. Next week we'll be halfway done with Lower Decks season four, episode five is the halfway point. That is sad news. I am bummed about it. You know what else I was thinking about is, I think like. I want to get like a lot of seasons of Lower Decks, but I think best case scenario, it runs for seven seasons. And that probably truly is best case scenario. Like, I don't know if it should, you know, drag on forever. Uh, but if it is only going to be seven seasons, then we're like halfway done with the show at this point. 
And there might it might be less than seven, so we might be over halfway done with the show, but we know we're at least getting season five. We know that for sure. If I had to guess, I think the show's gonna end when there's seven lower decker characters on that we're like familiar with on a regular basis. And then they won't be lower deckers anymore. Uh and so that's how the show kind of will naturally end. And I think that could be done in the next couple of, you know, seven seasons. If it gets seven seasons, that's a win for me. I don't know why I'm so attached to that seven, you know, seven season numbers being like a complete series. You know, only only three Star Trek shows did seven seasons out of. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, that's true. But in all honesty, like, you know, nowadays I'm not I'm not so much attached to how long the seasons are, but like telling the story that the creators want to tell, like whatever, however long that takes. So if like Mike McMahon has like an end you know an ending in mind already and he want and he and he gets to tell that story i'll be satisfied whether that's five seasons seven seasons or 20 seasons you know however long it is you know that's kind of like where i would like it to go i it breaks my heart if discovery is being you know not being able to finish its story but i think they did give them the budget to kind of like they they uh, created an ending for the show yeah they created an ending or you know and stuff like that so that's kind of what i like because star trek kind of since TNG, there's an expectation of a great ending. Like we never, you know, we never really, you know, like TNG had an awesome ending. All good things. People still like talk about that episode. It's like, you know, Kevin Feige based, you know, like so much of his things off of that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we taught the MCU how to do in game. Yeah. And then what DS9 did, you know, like, oh, <laughs> it's like insane. <laughs> like It's like it took Star Trek endings to a whole new level. Even as much as I love TNG, I can't deny that ds9 you know did something that, that way. 10 episode arc to image. yeah it was, it nuts, was so uh, nuts, so unprecedented so yeah. yeah yeah unprecedented i can't wait till we start talking about that show um but um i know y'all have already talked about it here i'm talking about it on the other yeah starfleet so hail but yeah so that's like kind of like this kind of like expectation that i have is that like star trek always gives us a pretty decent ending like voyager i haven't seen the ending <laughs> <laughs> yet i mean i've seen it but i don't have probably it in... you probably got <laughs> I've to seen it, it and slept through it no no no. i've seen it in the oh no you did I've... yeah because you yeah, skipped like ahead. I've, I've just watched yeah. it you yeah. have seen it but it's like enterprise i had watched the last episode of enterprise and i and i was like oh this is the coolest thing ever i didn't understand the context until i watched the series and i was like oh i'm mad and i understood why enterprise fans got mad you know what i mean got mad mm-hmm. that that was like the ending that they chose to do so endings are important to me. I love Return of the Jedi. I just like I love endings. So as long as the show gets to end in the way that Mike McMahon and, and his team want it to, I'm happy. I I my secret wish is that it could be like a Simpsons or like a family guy and go on for like 20 seasons, you know? Uh that would not be a thing. But like maybe, you know, you know, I think Mike McMahon's so talented. Maybe there's other stories he wants to tell. And if that's the case, I fully support him and want to see him do that because he's he's such a I, yeah. He, you know, like Pablo, I, I think of, him, you know, I was always saying, like, I think we need a, a Pablo Hidalgo uh, from Star Wars, right? Like the kind of like creative centerpiece of the Star Wars franchise in this modern era, right? Is right. I think Mike McMahon's that person for Star Trek. Hopefully he sticks around with the franchise because, yeah, I think I think he has a lot to uh, contribute um, in the uh Live audience, I see uh, Jill47 is also saying as much as she loves this new pair in Trio, she's yearning to see Rutherford and Tindy hang out and Mariner with Boims. And uh, I'm going to, I guess for my final thoughts on the episode, I kind of, we'll, we'll go into the Gornegg section in just a second, but uh, I, I guess I, I kind of agree with that. We have not gotten a ton of 
Mariner and Boimler together. They, they had like that moment in the corridor and on Voyager when when she's like, "Oh, don't worry about me. Go go save them." And I'm the one who asked for your promotion. And if they had some time together, you know, in the crossover we got recently on Strange New Worlds, but I think that they'll give us some some more uh, screen time with the two of them uh, in season four. And I, I definitely think we're going to get some big Tindy and Rutherford stuff. I know in the Ferengi episode, it looks like like they might go to like a Vegas style like wedding shack and get married or something. So well, maybe <laughs> this ain't the only wedding episode we'll have. I don't, I don't necessarily know if I want to see like Tindy. And, I know I want them in a relationship. I don't know if I want them to like get married in a few episodes. But uh, I what anything that will kind of like, cr- you know, the like like that moment when in on the promenade when Kira's like, well, why don't you just kiss me right now? And Odo's like, well, why don't I? And then like they finally embrace, you know, if we can get like that moment, then I'm all for it. So whatever we got to do to to get there. It's building. It seems like that's where it's going. Like, I feel like we're going to get a mo. If we get a moment, it'll be very satisfying. Uh, by the way, <laughs> thank you to my to my friend watching text messaging. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo is involved with Star Wars. That is a person involved with Star Wars. But who I meant was Dave Filoni. Like I think that like oh, okay, Mike McMahon is more like Dave, is like the Dave. Filoni. That makes a bit more sense. <laughs> thank you. Sorry, Dave Filoni, for completely forgetting who you are. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever saw Dave Filoni. I was like, look at this nerd walking around like some Indiana Jones type hat. Wow, like this guy ain't gonna last. Uh, man i was an idiot for saying that (laughs) no he's fantastic and i feel like mike mcmahon gets star trek i mean he's got the humor lens but he gets star trek like he really loves it he like well you know they wanted to bring him on as a writer in discovery season one and he turned it down he's like i can't do i can't do like a serious like live action star trek show in the 23rd century like that's (laughs) i'm not the guy for that wow okay well i love what he's doing he tells a story where like his agent like couldn't believe him because he is such a Star Trek fan. His agent was like, so let me get this straight. You're going to turn down Star Trek. I need you to say that to me. Say, I, Mike McMahon, am going to turn down Star Trek because otherwise I don't believe it as your agent. I can't believe that. But they, the franchise finally got him and, and hopefully he sticks around. And, oh. and you know what? I love that. I love hearing that because, you know, Mike McMahon is the person who brought Star Trek animation back and we're celebrating the 50th of star trek animation and so yeah i love that he's a hundred percent devoted to this cause so yeah it's very cool let's go to the gorn egg section of the show where i like to go over the uh i love this in- section <laughs> the easter eggs and jokes and continuity connections that uh, i thought were worth mentioning but uh there's not really a ton worth mentioning at least not in the uh beginning with that plunder sorting room you know there's uh, like a lot of like what we would call props and live action being tossed around you know, but there's like the uh, the Vulcan uh, Lerpra and the Klingon Batleth and uh, there's a TOS phaser that Joel and I were talking about uh, at the beginning of the show, but it's all things I think we've seen in Lower Decks before. Uh, however, on on Orion when they finally get to the planet, there's uh, some fun stuff there. We see uh, those bouncers the bodyguard- have like bouncers, the- yeah. They have like the bolts in their head, like the uh, Orions and Enterprise. And then the episode even opened talking about like, oh, yeah, you can get like these these gnarly metal implants in your head. And that, that uh, episode of, of Enterprise uh, Bound, we saw the showgirls, the Orion showgirls. And Mariner says a captain would get taken out by some Orion showgirls, you know, when she was questioning like the Vulcan or uh, I'm sorry, the, the uh, Orion pheromones. But, yeah, that was in, in the episode Bound. And then another Enterprise shout out. This episode is when uh, Talen talks about Nayal and says that he is aesthetically pleasing to Mariner. Aesthetically pleasing 
Those are the words to Paul used to describe that beautiful nebula in the Enterprise episode <laughs> Fusion before she's uh, assaulted by the uh, the weird uh, Vulcan who's Creepy part of like Vulcan, that hippie yeah. cult. Yeah. Um, now that sequence Creepy. also contributes to why I hate jazz music, like uh, Captain Shaw in Star Trek Picard. Fascinating. So, it was like, like during like that like that weird like nightmare assault sequence. There's this. Uh, horrific jazz song that plays over it and i hate it uh, <laughs> oh, uh, but i not a fan of jazz music and uh, so hell you were asking about the raven type ship i love and did yes, you just call is... me to so no but i i will if you want me to <laughs> yeah i don't mind it at all i was like oh Instead i just a starfleet you me... so hell you are <laughs> the so, so hell <laughs> and then to so hell we have the raven type Ship. It is the same class as the USS Raven in Star Trek Voyager that Seven of Nine was on as a little kid. Annika and Hansen there's even with her drawings parents. on it. Yeah, it's a little kid Seven of Nine when she was Annika. She put up her little crayon drawings too, and they got like the what? interior of the ship to look the That's same. So cute. Very well <laughs> nice done. Nice reference. Nice reference. And then in the B story, you know, we have all that Mark Twain silliness. Well, this ain't Star Trek's first dance with Samuel Clemens. He appeared in the flesh. <laughs> The uh, Enterprise D crew went back in time and met him and even brought him to the Enterprise in Time Zero Parts 1 and 2. That's right. Do you know uh, Seven of Nine's parents' names? Uh, Joel's asking in the audience. Uh, that's an inside joke because it was a trivia question. But yes, they are <laughs> oh, Magnus gotcha. okay. and um, I already forgot the mother. Um, I don't know. Was it like Naomi or something like that? Oh. Uh, Magnus was the weird one, but. Uh, and then there is uh, Erica, Erica and Magnus. Thank you. Oh, Jim. interesting. Well, there's another uh, TNG reference. Uh, the uh, alien captain, Kokor, the Chowdnoth, same species as uh, Isak or Esok. Shout out to Jill, the... who I think was the first person who like caught it in my sphere. <laughs> yes, I, I uh, heard her uh, explain it to you on the Text Trek first reaction That's stream. That's right. Thursday, right. people can can tune into every uh, Thursday night at seven PM Central. Our friend uh, Rachel uh, is over there with uh, some really cool. Like Braxton's a regular over there. Uh, you Starfleet Sohel are frequently there, so it's it's a great crowd. People should check that out. If you like what we do on Fridays, you'll like you'll like what we do on Thursdays. It's much less structured. It's much less mean. <laughs> uh, just trying to, um, I guess, like regurgitate like the actual events of the episode and we're just people just uh just you know talking about what they what they like to one another so please check that out and uh, yes jill i think he does have shoes on i like the way he looks in uh lord x a little more but i mean you know just you know i think he looks just like way radder in lord he, x he's that's so just extreme how though it's just yeah he's yeah. a great character for animation yeah. so so yeah. great uh great use of the universe there and it was also like a weird thing like the thing we know about that species is they get hangry so it's funny like <laughs> eating right. the bonsai is what like got them to calm down because like the, the fear in that episode is like i have to eat meat and if i don't that's eat meat bad. i will die and if i go too long without meat i will go insane and try to eat all of you <laughs> and they're like well we should probably figure out a way to get out of here before that happens so it is pretty funny but uh, that's all i got on the gorn eggs y'all heard sohel and i talk about this episode for an hour and a half so i'd love to hear what everyone else thought about it please comment on youtube reply to my tweets on twitter i have i'm on instagram and i'm on blue sky i haven't started posting there yet i really need to get on the ball with that i know i say that every week so hopefully this weekend i can i can get that going i, I have started i have started putting some stuff on instagram i need to do more i need Ooh, to get I have on an blue ex- sky 
I have an exclusive for the text trek audience because I just checked my blue sky and I have two new invites. So if there's anyone uh, in the text trek audience that needs an invite, just let me know in the chat. Now. And then just at, uh, don't at me because then people get crazy. But like you, you could de- just let me know what your your handle is on Twitter and I'll just comment. Just comment on here and we'll, yeah. we'll let we'll let so hell know and we'll let you know if, if there's I'm totally giving codes. So like anyone needs codes, I got it for you. <laughs> uh, but we, we did get some uh, subspace transmissions about last week's episode in the cradle of Vexelon. So uh, got time for uh, two or three here, but on. On Star Trek Twitter, Admiral Funnest Frontier was saying, uh, loved it. And uh, Steven with a PH said, it was just okay. Anything would have a hard time following the high bar that the first two episodes set for the season. Can't wait for the next episode, though. On YouTube, opinions no one cares about said, because uh, we had Dirk voiced by Phil Lamar last week, said, I do love Phil Lamar's voice work, but I'll always remember him for the first season of Mad TV. Uh, he was the uh, the UPS guy who, uh, like, danced around and talked about how fast uh, UPS was about delivering <laughs> things. And uh, Opinions also said uh, that he loved the Twin Peaksy floor design. So Same cool Opinions, same. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, thank you so much for stopping to uh, chat Star Trek with us, Starfleet Sohel. Uh, always great to see you. And, uh, Thanks for having I, me. I hope everyone else enjoyed the show. I hope folks can come back next week for the uh, that Episode 5 Deep Dive discussion. Thank you, uh, Text Trek patrons. That is uh, that includes you, Starfleet So Hell, but also Cake is Eternal, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, John Dot, Geek Filter, Old Gray Trekkie, Quarks Bar, Benginium, Stephanie Durantes, Matthew Averett, Braxton, Chuck A, and our anonymous supporters. Hashtag Save Star Trek Prodigy. Let's find that show a home. I'll see y'all next week. And until then, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. <laughs>